I'm like, who am yeah. I? I literally used to be in strangers' kitchens until fucking seven in the morning, and now here yeah. I am at fucking nine o'clock at night. I'm like, where's my bed at? <laughs> Welcome back, guys, to the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast, the podcast where we talk about murder, mystery, and mishaps while being just one of those three. Don't worry. We're not murderers (laughs) or anything, but hi, I'm Kristen. Hey, I'm Sarah. Oh, (laughs) very nice. I I did not catch the memo. Otherwise, I I don't have a burp in me, but I could try. Oh, no. Kristen. (laughs) <laughs> oh are you frozen sorry we we froze for a second it's okay it happens glitch in the matrix per usual oh no. anywho i'm drinking a white claw on a semi-empty stomach not sponsored by the cheerios i ate this morning and please one day sponsored by white claw <laughs> what are you drinking sarah <laughs> I, too, am drinking White Claw on an empty stomach. (laughs) Yay! Great life choices that we are making today. White Claw for lunch. Oh, yeah. Best time, because it's a day recording. You're getting us fresh and baby-faced, even though it's, like, fucking 2 o'clock. I'm ready for a fucking nap. But, hey, we're here to party. We're out here, and we're ready to fucking spill it, dude. Spill it, but with some napkins on the side, please. What are we talking about today? All right. So uh, today I'm going to be talking about a pretty well-known case, Dorothy Puente and the boarding house from hell. Oh. Hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I know this one. The name Dorothy Suspicious Oh, you know what? Shit. I'm sorry. I need to re-say that. Oh. Ah, oh, god damn it. Okay. You're Dorothea Puente. Ah. <laughs> Dorothea Puente and the boarding house from hell. <laughs> it's the Dorothea part. Um, Dorothy. Dorothea. 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 So, Dorothea Helen Gray was born January 9th, 1929 in San Bernardino, California, Mm -hmm. Uh, which, you know, I guess she grew up in the Redlands area, which is around San Bernardino. 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 Uh, It's not Bernardino. It's Bernardino. (laughs) But I always want to say Bernardino. Not Um, me pretending I actually know the name for once. Because I literally thought it was Bernardino at first, and I double-checked it. It sounds like. I was like, yeah. oh, girl, I got you. There's an R you. in there. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, so she was born into, you know, the early starts of the Great Depression. She didn't have the best childhood. Both of her parents were alcoholics. Ooh. Uh, her father died when she was about four years old from tuberculosis, and Ooh. he suffered from that, you know, pretty much all her life. He was pretty sick. Yeah, tuberculosis for sure is like that takes forever to kill you sometimes yeah what they call it consumption yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
what it's so funny (laughs) what did i'm so sorry but i where i forget where it was that i saw this that someone just thought that consumption was like diarrhea (laughs) oh my god or like just like eating too much yeah Um. but no it's it just it literally is called consumption consumption because it consumes you and it takes years to kill you fun stuff yeah Dorothea's mother uh, was a a sex worker. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. And uh, she died when Dorothea was about six, apparently from a motorcycle accident. I don't know how true that is. Oh, shit. So she's had a lot of fucking trauma in her early And even though her father did die of tuberculosis, apparently he had a suicide attempt where he tried to hang himself in front of his wife and Dorothea. So she definitely experienced a lot of trauma. Like, shit you shouldn't have to see. She's not a normal girl after that. Holy. Like, okay, the suicide maybe I get, but like the in front of the family, wow, you're just taking it to a whole nother level. Wow. After the death of both of her parents, she spent some time bouncing around from family member to family member, and she eventually ended up in an orphanage, and this is where she would experience sexual abuse. So she figured out pretty early on that she only had herself to rely on. Um, We see the trauma. She had her challenges. And she was in that orphanage until some of, some of her relatives from Fresno, California, were able to take her in. Damn. Um, and then we don't really know much else about her, like, childhood, like, young childhood, you could say. When Dorothea would get older, she would exhibit antisocial personality disorder traits. And this would have also shown in certain behaviors in her childhood as well. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was 16 years old, Dorothea got married for the first time. This was in 1946. I guess that was more common. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I guess. Uh, it's a different time. It's a different time. Her and this husband, they weren't together super long, but within that time, they did have two daughters. One of them was sent to live with a relative, and the other Mm -hmm. one was put up for adoption. Oh, shit. Dorothea didn't have a formal education, and she was never really nurtured herself, I guess, like, in a motherly fashion. So she wasn't really up for the motherly role herself. And I guess this played, you know, a part in her giving her children away or to be cared for by someone else. At least she knows in a sense, like, hey, I can't be a mom to these kids. And she's giving them away rather than trying to raise them and, like, restarting that fucking cycle of trauma and devastation. Though, I mean, like, her experience in the orphanage, it's hard to say if those kids. Right. So I do um, agree with that, that she at least knew and kind of did a safe, right thing. Yeah, you can't get mad at her for that at the end of the day. So also in her marriage, Dorothea at one point suffered a miscarriage. And she felt pretty humiliated by this. And around this time as well, her husband at the time died about two years after their marriage. 
Oh, shit. So all of this happened within like a two-year span? Yeah. Damn. He died from a heart attack. Damn. How old was he? Um, I'm not sure. He was older for sure. Okay. Um, but actually... Ew, that's even grosser because she was 16. Ew. Yeah. But he actually didn't die. <laughs> oh, 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 okay, sorry. <laughs> he apparently to... left Dorothea and she lied to people and said he died of a heart attack because she was too embarrassed to say that he left her. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Dorothea. Not off to a great start there, Dorothea, but okay. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll let you have it. <laughs> we'll see that it kind of just continues a little, like, down this weird path for Dorothea. So she's a fucking habitual liar. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Abandonment and trauma can do wonders. So yeah, to wonders survive... After this, I guess Dorothea tried to forge her ex-husband's checks after he died, uh, but she got caught. Yeah. So she okay. ended. Spent, yeah, she spent six months in jail for this. Uh, no logic yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, her sorry, method sorry. for survival was exploitation. Okay, that's not like hit me. No, you, they're yeah. <laughs> Okay. I don't. I don't want to offer my services that I learned in school of exploitation, but that's just not the way that you do it. Unfortunately, that's a yeah. number one way to get caught. <laughs> After serving her six months in, in jail for this, um, she apparently got impregnated by someone she barely knew. She Damn. gave that baby up for adoption, and shortly after that, she got married again. Um, This time was to a man named Axel Johansson, and this was in 1952. Mm -hmm. She was 23. And how old was she? 23. When was she born? Okay. Oh, sorry. I thought you said... (laughs) I thought you... Okay. In my defense, I thought you said he was 23. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, No, she was 23. And (laughs) if I remember correctly, I can't remember if it was this... No, yeah. It was a different husband. So... Um, I'm sorry, I didn't get Axel's age, but I think I figured he was a little older as well. He yeah. was a seaman and was frequently gone out on the water at work. Mm-hmm. So throughout their marriage, um, they were married a longer time, about 14 years. But oh, throughout damn. Their, yeah. That's good, yeah. right? Well, yeah. uh, for her? Maybe yeah. not. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, because okay. I did read in a source that they had a 14-year-long abusive relationship, oh, but I no. never got details on how it was abusive. And Damn. reading how um, he was gone a lot, I just think that maybe it wasn't a happy marriage. Yeah. Um, while her husband was gone for work, Dorothy got into her her own mischief and hobbies of criminal behaviors so basically she just continues to go down this path and you know while she's going down this path she makes a few pit stops in jail along the way of course (laughs) nice in 1960 she was arrested for owning and managing a brothel Dorothea. Dorothea. <laughs> oh my god, girl. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong. Dorothea, Dorothea. We'll switch back and forth. Um, yeah. <laughs> Whichever way, okay? Apparently, she offered an undercover cop oral sex in the brothel. 
That'll do it. So she served a few months for this, and after her release, she got arrested again. This time it was for vagrancy, which is homelessness. Oh. Um, I don't know the details on this. And, you know, she was married to Axel at the time of this arrest. So yeah. I don't know if he was gone at sea and she was on the streets or if they were both homeless or what was going on. Yeah. But she served another few months for this. And um, after she got released, her little hobbies kind of escalated with time. Did Axel have any idea? that she was in jail or she just happened to be in jail while he was away i don't know there don't weren't know. a lot maybe of that's de- why yeah. they fought a lot because I, he's like I mean, why are you in jail see, all the time yeah you could kind of see like why maybe their marriage wasn't so smooth some men would really appreciate their wives running a brothel okay yeah <laughs> um so Although, you know, her hobbies and crime kind of escalated with time, she did eventually find work as a nurse's aide. And this is when her criminal side kind of chilled out for a bit. This new interest and profession made Dorothea feel needed, and it was also a new way to make money, of course. Mm -hmm. Dorothea and Axel did divorce in 1966. But shortly after this is when she marries again. This time to a man named Robert Puente. So this is where we get the familiar last name because she, uh, at the time of her case And now that you're telling me the profession, I think I'm remembering this case. Uh, She was going by (laughs) Dorothy Puente kind of at the time of her crimes. So that was a name for marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her and Robert Puente got married in Mexico City. He was 19 years younger than her. Get it, girl. Yeah. So she swayed the other way a little this time. Damn. I mean, a little a little <laughs> icky. That's kind of a really big age difference. But I mean, yeah. if guys can do it, girls can do it. Too. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was really a smart choice because considering the age difference, he had a little bit of trouble staying faithful to her. Yeah. The marriage only lasted two years. I mean, at least she's getting remarried. I mean, I have yet to find one husband. She's found three. Good for her. Right. Until I hear what she does later on. Not good for her. Well, but first, she's got to get married a fourth time, okay? Okay. Oh, (laughs) girl is fucking, where is she finding these boys? I just want to know. I just, what website is she on? She prays. I swear. She probably fucking just pick these men out i don't know they have the worst habits they're just looking for someone yeah, they're lonely just... people probably and <laughs> so in 1976 dorothea married for the fourth time to pedro Mon- montavlo which is another name we'll recognize from hers she'll you she would usually go by dorothy montavlo at some points mm-hmm. and then sometimes she was dorothea sorry i said dorothy dorothea montavlo Puente or just Dorothea Puente. So she got She changes her name quite a few times. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pedro was an alcoholic and was physically abusive to Dorothea. And they were only married a few months. Oh, yeah. Good for her. She got Um, that. So at this point in her life, Dorothea's main hobbies included hanging out in bars 
looking for old or older men to forge and steal money from. <laughs> so around 1985-1986, Dorothea started renting an upstairs apartment in a Victorian-style house that was like an apartment house. Mm-hmm. in downtown sacramento and she started running a boarding house out of the building she became the tenant or not the tenant the uh, landlord mm-hmm. and this was the boarding house at 1426 f street it was a blue like a baby powder blue victorian style house built in ni- 1898 sorry Ooh. Um, and while running this boarding house, she focused on taking in tenants of the elderly, of the mentally ill, of the disabled, of hard to handle people. Um, it really kind of became a last resort boarding house for people who kind had of like nowhere the people else that to no go. One, that no one wanted. Yeah, exactly. And so by doing this, Dorothea moved her way up in the community by basically helping these people in need and the community really looked up to her for the work she did she would donate money to help you know like nonprofits for those in need and those working with homeless people um but dorothy dorothea's character her generous character would be put into question when one day john cabrera the lead detective throughout this case gets something kind of passed across his desk. He gets word of a missing person person's case that had just been filed. Uh, the lead detective, John Cabrera, is someone who I will be mentioning a lot throughout the case because um, I watched a two-part documentary on Hulu for this, The Murders at the Boarding House, and he spoke frequently throughout the documentary, and he was the lead detective, and he had a lot of... Uh, you know, hands-on stories and findings, so. He was fucking there. <laughs> he, he was there in person. He was <laughs> Been there. Okay, so the missing persons case that had gotten brought to his attention was one of Bert Montoya. He was in his mid-50s. He had mental disabilities uh, and was said to have the mind of, a, like, a 10 or 12-year-old. Oh, wow. He was prone to wandering the streets. He was a wanderer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a social worker named Judy Moise. And uh, she had initially come across Bert by noticing him on the streets because uh, he was homeless. And so she wanted to help him. And so she got to know him and would, you know, like visit him on the streets. She eventually convinced Bert. Um, like, she got him to agree to, like, she asked him, if I found you a boarding house or somewhere to live, would you live there? And he was like, yeah. So, she finds Bert a home at 1426 F Street, the baby blue Victorian-style house oh, no. that had been turned into a boarding house for the elderly and disabled. No. That's just, uh, I, it, yeah. Yeah. I could just go on a tangent about the fucking mentally ill being forced into homeless lists because we can't right. for, like don't want to help them but it's just uh, 
I'm glad that that's, it just breaks my heart because that social worker was doing her fucking job. Like for once we hear of a social worker who actually cares about these people and is trying to like help them in any fucking way. And it's just so devastating because she had no idea. And I really hope that she doesn't like, it's not her fault in any way. She was doing absolutely everything she could. And the world just like wants to fuck with us. I don't know why. And it's so fucking sad. I'll definitely circle back to her feelings on everything later oh i'm not ready for that i'm not Um, ready for that oh judy introduces bert to dorothea dorothea was seemingly super excited to help bert she even helped him get on disability Hmm. after about six months of living at the boarding house bert told judy his social worker that he didn't really want to be there anymore and so Judy talks to Dorothea and is like, what's going on with Bert? You know, like, why is he saying he doesn't want to live there anymore? Yeah. Dorothea tells Judy that she thinks it'd be a good idea if Bert goes and stays with her brother in Mexico for a few months. No. She says, you know, it'd be good for him to get away. No. Judy is like, um, no, I don't yeah. think that would be good for him. Okay, You know good. he's on disability. If he leaves the country, he could lose that. You know, he's, yeah. he's just getting on his feet. Why would we send him off? And she's, uh, Dorothea is the one who fucking helped him set up the disability. Right. And so Dorothea's like, okay, okay. He doesn't have to go to Mexico. He doesn't need to go. But then sometime shortly after this conversation, Dorothea takes Bert to Mexico. Fucking red flag. Apparently. I don't know if she literally takes him or if she sends him on a bus or something. But when Bert's social worker, when Judy finds out, she's like, what the fuck, (laughs) Dorothea? Like, what the fuck? She calls Dorothea and is like, if Bert isn't back by next Monday, I'm going to call the police. Good. That Monday rolls around and a random man calls Judy and says that Bert's nephew had picked him up and he wouldn't be living at the boarding house anymore. No. This sounded super sketchy to Judy. Yes. She doesn't buy any of it. So she hangs up the phone and she calls the police to report Bert missing. And this was on the morning of November 7th, 1988. Fucking make Judy the fucking sheriff of the county. I'm Hell just saying. Hell yeah. I'm just saying, Judy, Judy, good job. Good job, girl. Hell yeah. She did everything right. And so Holy shit, girl. Detectives go to Dorothea's boarding house to question her and tenants about Bert's whereabouts. Uh, when he was... When, I believe, you know, it was Detective Cabrera and maybe one other detective, but uh, all of the tenants said the exact same thing. Their stories lined up pretty much word to word, and they all said that Bert left, you know, that previous Sunday with a relative. Just before the detectives were leaving, though, one of the tenants named John Sharp slipped Detective Cabrera a note. (gasps) And the note read, she's making me lie. Oh, my fucking God. Goosies. Yeah. Goosey. Oh, ew. Ew. Imagine. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> like, you would read that note and then like, oh, I would just want to fucking arrest everyone. Well, not arrest the boys, but like yeah. arrest fucking Dorothea. But yeah. you can't. Oh. Ugh. 
So, John Sharp ends up telling the detectives that it had actually been about three months since anyone had seen Bert. Oh? When did he tell Judy that he wasn't comfortable living there anymore? Was that the three months ago? Yeah. Yeah. That was, like, the last time he had officially... Damn. Okay. Sorry. That's fucking... So, this information alone is enough to expand this... investigation and it basically blew the doors wide open judy puts on her detective hat because bert was her client and someone she genuinely wanted to help so she literally like is helping you know find information she wants to get answers and until she gets answers answers she stays heavily involved in looking for bert oh my god judy like I mentioned, Bert was a wanderer. Um, he did walk out and leave a boarding house once years before, so detectives had to rule out the possibility that this happened again. Yeah. And um, but they didn't get any leads. You know, they couldn't really verify that or not. It it's hard to verify that when you don't have a body. You know. Yeah. Like there, it's just almost it's almost near impossible right. unless you find some type of evidence within the house to state otherwise. You know. Um. So after that, sorry. Yeah. After that day, um, questioning the tenants at the boarding house, I think detectives kind of just took note of everything started to maybe build a case and they went back to the boarding house on the morning of November 11th just you know Mm -hmm. about four days after Uh, they go to the boarding house in hopes of talking to Dorothea specifically so they knock on the door and she answers investigators like detective Cabrera mentioned how they were a little thrown off by I guess how normal Dorothea seemed and looked she was about 60 years old and was little and kind of frail she was only 5'4 and um, she was wearing like a nice blue chiffon dress put together you could say Mm -hmm. Um, they said that she just looked like anyone's sweet little grandma you know she didn't look evil (laughs) so investigators tell her why they're there um, they say, you know, she knew Judy, obviously. They say, Judy, you know her, yes. She filed a missing persons report on Bert, who is your tenant. And so they kind of ask for her side of, like, the story or what she knew. She gives the investigators a rundown on her side of things. She said, yes, Bert lived here. He went off to live in Mexico. And then he went to live with his nephew, blah, 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 blah. Uh, investigators then ask permission to search the property. Uh, obviously, with protocol, it would be kind of strange if they didn't take a look around. Yeah. But they kind of used this reason or, like, I don't want to say excuse, but they they told Dorothea that, hey, can we look around just so we can tell Judy that we did look and didn't find Bert, you know, just to give her a peace of mind, kind of. Oh, but they were trying to get some motherfucking evidence. Right. So nice. I think they were just kind of saying that to being a little because maybe they thought she was gonna say no or something i don't know yeah well i mean and because they didn't have a warrant they just wanted to look around so yeah but obviously like 
I know this is a true crime podcast, so it's <laughs> obviously something sketchy went on. If you're doing something sketchy, you don't want the police walking around. So, <laughs> right. I mean, she had every instance that she would want to say no to them. So, good for them on, like, trying to make it seem like something it wasn't. You yeah, know, and, that's like, the one time I'll, Yeah, that's the one time I'll give them props, you know. You gotta be sneaky to get the bad guy. As long as you're not being the bad guy and being sneaky, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Same. So, investigators take a look around. Mm-hmm. So in this boarding house, I'm obviously going to post a picture. Uh, Kristen, I'm actually going to send you a picture right now. Yeah, love um, It's, like I mentioned, a Victorian-style house that was remodeled into separate apartments. Dorothea lived on the second floor. So as they make mm-hmm. their way through the apartment, they go back into Dorothea's bedroom. Mm-hmm. And Detective Cabrera noticed a vial full of blue pills on her dresser or like sitting in an open dress and dresser drawer or something and he didn't immediately think anything sketchy about it but he definitely took note but what really intrigued the investigators was a credit card of some sort that was on Dorothea's bedroom floor it had the name Dorothea Miller or not god damn it not Dorothea Miller Dorothy Miller Mm. When they asked Dorothea who Dorothy was, who Dorothy Miller was, she said that she was a relative that had previously stayed with Dorothea. So the investigators completed their search with no signs of Bert. On their way out, Cabrera tells Dorothea, I have one more thing to ask of you. Would you mind if we dug in your yard? (laughs) So before investigators had gone to Dorothea's house, they were speaking with Judy, Bert's social worker. Uh, You know, they were just speaking about Dorothea, getting information, because she was the last one that had Bert in her care, you know? Yeah. So I think investigators mentioned that they were going to give Dorothea a visit, and Judy tells them, you better bring a shovel. (gasps) Oh! Because I've been there a few times, and there were large mounds of dirt in the yard. Ugh. I'm glad that she made it that obvious, but at the same time, like, Mm. creepy. So when asked if they could dig in her yard, Dorothea was, was like, yeah, go ahead, no hesitation. What the fuck? Okay. The way Dorothea's yard was set up kind of like an L shape, it was a side yard kind of that went into the back area a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just to give you perspective of, you know, it wasn't just like a square yard. Most of it was covered in concrete or stone. You know, there was patios, a shed, some garden areas. So investigators start to dig in a garden area of the yard Because it was some of the only, like, uncovered ground they could dig in. And they were not expecting to really uncover anything, much less, like, uncover what they did uncover. Because she's agreeing. What the fuck? She was being totally cooperative. Did she she think, like, oh, if I agree, then they won't... uh." I don't know, dude. Because she was... (laughs) She literally... 
like gave them no problem yeah look at my work look at all this work i just did you know they said she stayed she was calm she was just like very kind of unimpressionable she was just very kind of chill what the fuck um so they start to dig as they dig they start to come across pieces of cloth as well as some small leathery pieces and we'll find out that the pieces of cloth were pieces of like a gown or a dress Uh and the leathery pieces i think ended up being flesh oh that's what i thought yeah and i literally just put that together um because i typed it in my notes and then later on uh cabrera says like he was coming across pieces of her dress and flesh but earlier in the show they said cloth and leathery pieces so i was like yeah as soon as you said that i was like oh i don't think that's a jacket yeah i don't think they're moccasins (laughs) i don't think they're moccasins (laughs) (laughs) you can tell like it was the fucking 80s people were wearing (laughs) leather vests and moccasins but I think leather jacket, you think of fucking moccasin. You can, you can tell <laughs> who's who. <laughs> uh, as they continue to dig, um, Cabrera hits something hard. He thought it was a tree root at first because there was an avocado tree, like, right there. Um, oh, my God. Do you... Oh, the avocados got the... Oh, I'm not eating those avocados. <laughs> <sighs> uh, yeah, good point. Um... So when whatever he was hitting with his shovel wouldn't budge with the shovel, he uses his hands to kind of unearth whatever it was in the ground. And it was not a tree root that he uncovered. It was Mm -hmm. a human femur. Uh Uh-huh. Or leg bone of some sort. Uh What did she do then? Was she still fucking chill as a cucumber? Yeah, so this whole time, Dorothea's just chillin', watching them dig, kinda. What the fuck? She's crazy. So, by looking at the bone, investigators knew that the remains couldn't have belonged to Bert because of the amount decomposition. Because remember, at this point, they're looking for Bert. They don't really know about, like, anything yeah, else. Yeah, anything. Bert had been missing oh. for three months. Sorry. Bush. Bert had been missing for about three months, so his remains would not have looked like that. They would not have been skeletal remains. Uh, Yeah. So, investigators show the bone to Dorothea. Because, like I said, she's there chilling while they dig. What the fuck? She goes, is that what I think it is? Investigators are like, yeah. And she, like, gasps and kind of puts her hands over her mouth. And she says, I don't know anything about that. Okay. 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 That's your whole plan? That was your plan? I mean. She continues to say, you know, other people live here. You should ask them about that. (laughs) Okay. At this point in the investigation, um... They halted the digging while the coroner's office was contacted to come out to the scene because of the human remains found. So, detectives did consider the fact that the house was old and built in the 1800s, and back then, loved ones were buried in backyards pretty commonly. Oh, shit. Um, 
you know, because just because they found remains in Dorothea's yard doesn't mean necessarily that they could immediately point the finger at her and label her as, like, a murderer. They blah, also blah, blah, laws yeah, and justice. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Clearly, they also don't have enough evidence to arrest her for anything because they have a missing persons, they have skeletal remains, but they don't have anything in between. They don't know the why and how. So, yeah. or even who those remains fucking are, right? Um, so as this is going on, you know, it starts to blow up in the media. Neighbors are like, what the hell? Like, there's a crime scene down the street. And they were just kind of blown away because they all just saw Dorothea as their sweet, helpful neighbor. And their neighbors described her as, you know, generous. She never came off wrong or murderous, obviously. Uh, she had a Rose, Dorothea had a friend named Rosie Gayton who was also a local reporter and Shit. she would say that Dorothea wasn't only important to her but the community as well because of like the things she did for yeah, vulnerable she built up this name for herself yeah uh, Judy Moise, Bert Montoya's social worker described Dorothea as a very good person until the human remains were found and Bert was missing, she began to see Dorothea in a completely different light. And obviously, at this point, she became even more concerned for Bert. Oh my god. Detectives bring Dorothea to the station to make a statement about what they exhumed on her property. Now, this obviously wasn't just a simple give your statement and go situation. She was interrogated and interviewed about the remains as well as about Bert and his, you know, whereabouts. Mm -hmm. But right off the bat, like as soon as they sit down for the interview, you know, like they start with confirming your name, who you are. She lies about her birth name. I mentioned earlier her name was Dorothea Gray or something at birth. Mm -hmm. But she claimed her birth name was Dorothea Puente. She said Puente was her birth name when she actually got it from marriage. But at the time, I think on uh, her life, on some, she, like legally, she her name was Dorothea Montalvo Puente. So she was going by two of her married names, mm. but she was trying to say Puente was her birth name. Got it. And so this was just weird and uh, it was a red flag. The investigator knew immediately that she was lying about her name, but he keeps his cool and she, he doesn't let her know that he knows she's lying. He wants mm -hmm. to catch her in more lies. Yeah. So he asks her about Bert. You know, he's kind of grilling her like, where is he? What happened to him? I know he's in that yard. Um, but the whole time he's grilling her, she stays so calm, and she literally just keeps her cool. She said that the last time she had seen him was that weekend when he left the boarding house with his nephew. She's like, why would I hurt him? I helped him, blah, blah, blah. She completely denied knowing where Bert currently was or having anything to do with the skeletal remains found in her yard. She remained calm, like I said, the entire interview. She apparently never skipped a beat when she spoke. She never hesitated. She just had her shit, like, in lock. 
That trauma really did a fucking number on her. She was probably used to fucking putting on yeah. face is what it yeah. yeah. Like Ugh. what wow. So Cabrera didn't really know if there were more bodies in Dorothea's yard, but he was acting like he did know to use it as bait to see if Dorothea would admit to anything. Um but she would claim, you know, he probably said stuff like we're going to keep digging and find more bodies. Tell me who they are. Blah, blah, blah. Where's Bert? Yeah. She would claim, you know, how would I know if there are more bodies when I didn't know about the one you found today? So, and then she says something like, I couldn't drag or bo- bury a body anywhere if I tried. Ugh. And she has a point. But this also, you know, makes a light bulb go off in the investigators' minds because... Talk to the people living in the house. Yeah, they're think they're thinking, obviously, she had some help. If she didn't bury the bodies, who did? Yeah. The yeah, only- you little granny <laughs> cuckoo town. Yeah, you're Fuck. right. <laughs> <laughs> the only other person that was seen around the boarding house, like, on the regular, was Mr. John McCauley. He lived on the second floor in the back room of Dorothea's apartment. John and Dorothea had some weird special relationship. So obviously he was living in her back room. Every other tenant lived below on the first floor. Mm -hmm. John was the only tenant allowed upstairs other than Dorothea. The investigators knew about John and they brought him up to Dorothea as like a, an, a, a suspected accomplice. And she doesn't deny anything. She's just kind of like, why don't you ask him? She remained impressively calm and poised while being grilled. The detective is repeatedly telling her, I know you did something. I know you know something. But she was hard as nails and when would continue to deny everything knowing anything everything everything. and now that i look at her (laughs) (laughs) it really wouldn't surprise me if her name's dorothea because a bitch looks white yeah i know (laughs) she has blue eyes i was gonna say something earlier like i know her last name's puente but dorothea is just like i think a bitch is white i think it's dorothea (laughs) dorothea what would they? What did they say in the documentary? It's you hard were that to high. tell. <laughs> you were that high, you didn't remember. Dor- it's like Dorothea. Dorothea. <laughs> but after this interview with uh, Dorothea, <laughs> investigators still don't have anything directly incriminating on her. So they don't, they can't arrest her or hold her or anything. And like I mentioned, this blew up in the media. You know, remains are found at a boarding house that belonged to an elderly landlord who was appreciated by the community. This made for great headlines. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I it, mean, like, she looks like freaking one of the Golden Girls. And you're telling me that this is a fucking America's most prolific serial killer? Well, not right. most prolific, but you're telling me that she's an American yeah. serial killer? Because she, she did get labeled fucking... a serial killer for, for her crimes. And you look at her and you're just like, holy shit. You? You? Okay. 
Don't want your cookie recipe, Grandma. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Speaking, of, it's so funny that you mentioned recipes because I mentioned something at the end of this. LOL. Oh, my God. Ill. Um, so as this case was gaining, you know, national media coverage and especially local media coverage, someone from Dorothea's past recognized her on the news and was like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I went to school with her. <laughs> Well, no, it was actually uh, Deputy District Attorney William Wood. Oh, fuck. Who had built a case against Dorothea in 1982. So remember, we're in 1988 right now. At that time, Dorothea Puente was going by Dorothea Montavlo. Oh, fuck. Dorothea had met a 74-year-old man named Malcolm McKenzie at a bar one night. And they hit it off. They decide to go back to his place. As they are um, on the way, it's unclear whether they were, like, driving in a personal car, if they were in a taxi. But on the way, Malcolm starts to feel kind of sick. And by the time they get to his apartment, he collapses on his couch. Dorothea had seemingly drugged him with something that made him paralyzed. Oh. He didn't pass out or anything. He literally laid there and couldn't move. But he could see everything that Dorothea was doing. His eyes were the only thing that were, like, functioning. Aside from his organs. (laughs) Um, Ew. He watched Dorothea find one of his suitcases. And she just started robbing him. She filled his suitcase up (gasps) with various of his items. Or various items. She walked up to Malcolm, Malcolm, sorry, stole the ring off of his finger and left. So he survived and was able to, you know, pass this on to authorities. But we also find out from this deputy um, attorney that she had, you know, a deeper history of impersonating nurses and caregivers to the elderly or mentally ill and basically preying on these people. She would prescribe or administer medication, which was more like poison, that would knock people out and when they came to, their belongings would be missing. She literally had fake diplomas and phony medical equipment She would forge checks. And so for all of this going on in 1982, she was charged for a few different charges, you know, robbery, fraud, drugging, forgery, and she was sentenced to five years in jail. Oh, shit. She She obviously didn't spend it. No. Nope. (laughs) She ended up serving three years uh, for, like, being good or whatever. I don't know. Two years for well behaved i don't know so she was released in september of 1985 district attorney william wood hoped dorothea had learned her lesson and thought that he would never hear of her again but when she was released out on parole you know of in 1985 she moved into the apartment at 1426 f street and started and opened up her boarding house. Ew. 
Ew, ew, ew. That is, he literally just, like, let her go to watch her escalate into, like, the fucking greatest ew. Yeah. Ew. I bet he feels real cringe for doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand. When are we going to, I get that I guess she hasn't done anything, like, violent at this point. But all the signs were there to show that she was escalating. So I really just don't understand how we can let people do other things to people. And it's like, no, it's okay. It's fine. Just (laughs) do better next time. Mm. We hope. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately. Wow. 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 She didn't take no fucking time time. at all. Fuck, man. Zero time. She would contact social service agencies saying that, you know, she had a boarding house and she would be open. How is she allowed to do this after she spent time in jail? I'm sorry. So, yeah, I mean, that's one of my next bullet points is that to run a boarding house, all you needed at that time, at least, was a business license. And to get a business license, they don't fingerprint or run a background check. Ew. Ew. Yeah. Ew. So, she would contact social service agencies saying that she would take in the more difficult borders, such as people with severe disabilities, mental health issues, substance abuse problems... Yeah, or so, just like, old. you're not going to ask for, like, fucking extra certificates because these people are more difficult to deal with? You don't think that you need yeah. some fucking, like, extra training to handle them? Ugh, oh, my I'm sure God. she it's had like, a phony we... nurse's certificate and was Ugh, like, I care for yeah. all of them, blah, She blah, probably, blah. like, faked it all. It's just so disgusting how we're just like, no, we don't care. We just want them out of our hands. Yeah. So, like, take them. Because it was deal. said that, like, throughout the duration of her running this boarding house, no, like, zero home health nurses ever went to that house like zero health care was provided by any outside source that breaks my heart and no one like fucking bothered to check up on that honestly it's oh that's so heartbreaking part of dorothea's parole was that she was prohibited from running a boarding house being a caregiver or being around vulnerable people and also handling other people's government checks Within the two years since she had been released, her parole officers visited her at her boarding house over a dozen of times, but none of them asked if she was running a boarding house or what that living situation was there. Y'all can't see me. I'm, like, fucking in a ball. Kristen's losing it. I... My head is really trying to stay in the crevice of my fucking cranium skull. What the fuck is going on? I'm just like, I am. Why do we have police if they don't, if they don't do their job? I hope those parole fucking people got fired. Oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. That's it. I'm done. She was able to continue her scheme for years. So... As this case continued to blow up in the media, Dorothea's friend, who I had mentioned, who is also a local reporter, became the lead on the story for her network or whoever she reported for. So she was given lead on the story because she knew Dorothea, and from her perspective, she knew Dorothea couldn't have done any of these things. She was not murderous. So her goal was to report the story to kind of help prove Dorothea's innocence. Oh my god, because that was a bitch in the beginning that was like her BFF, right? Yeah. 
Oh my god. Yeah. I hope she, she does. She change her mind. I hope she does. Yeah. So just kind of okay. keep that one oh in my your god. pocket. Okay. okay. My seatbelt's in. Let me. <laughs> okay. So Let's back go. to the investigation. Mm-hmm. We're on day one. They exhumed one set of human remains, and they have interviewed Dorothea. Mm-hmm. And now we're on day two. Okay. At this point, Dorothea's tenant, John McCauley, is definitely on investigators' radar because, like I mentioned, they figured if Dorothea had anything to do with this crap going on, then she definitely had help. So Cabrera also decides to keep digging uh, for obvious reasons. He's like, yeah. I wasn't expecting to find anything the first time. What else now could I'm there really be? I'm really expecting to find something. <laughs> uh, so... While this major excavation is going on in Dorothea's yard, she's just going about her day in her apartment, you know, uh, watching out the window. Apparently, she was just hanging out, drinking a couple of vodka and orange juices. Damn it. I was going to say making a green tea. Yeah, no. She's fucking... I hate how much I like her other than the fact that she kills fucking old people and disabled i mean if you if you just didn't do the killing girl i would love to have you as a grandma but then you do that and i'm like uh see that's that's where we cut ties unfortunately but give me a vodka (laughs) give me a vodka orange juice for the road please right Um, so the man I mentioned who lives kind of with Dorothea, John McCauley, who was on site as the dig continued as well. He was kind of just standing around, observing, hanging around. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an area in the side yard between a shed and a patio area. And this area in between was... Um, you know, it had been dirt, but there was newly laid cement in this area. And this cement was only about an inch thick. So they're like, you know, this area seems like another, you know, a good place to kind of start or continue. Because the location of the concrete seemed pretty random to just put over this random spot of dirt in between the shed and patio. Mm-hmm. Um the concrete was poured around trees and plants. It was just odd. You know, it wasn't just yeah, like a like flat not a, slab. Not a spot that you would want concrete. It's almost honestly. like it's, you had to go out of your way to pour the cement uh, the way it was. Anyways. Yeah, um, like a fucking. Hmm. So it seemed mm-hmm. a little random and suspicious. A little sus. A little sus. And the concrete, like I mentioned, only an inch thick. So it was pretty easy for them to rip up and start digging. Ew. Um, dirt was being sifted for other, you know, smaller evidence. This was really, like, a major thing going on. And Kristen and I sent you a picture of the house with, like, the digging components. Yeah, they were getting at it. And it's even more crazier. <laughs> I know. But it's it's kind of creepy because, like, I know you can't really see the neighbor's house. But it looks as if, if a neighbor really wanted to, they could, like look in the yard and fucking see They're something close. they didn't want to see. Yeah. Like the houses are stacked mm-hmm. and that like just adds another air of uncomfortability for me yeah. because I'm just like, wow, this went on for years. Mm-hmm. And mm, what did you she was just fucking growing her potatoes. Yeah. Ew. Growing her potatoes. <laughs> her avocados. Ew. <laughs> avocado Ew Oh my God. I love avocados. Man, this ruined ruined avocados for me. Uh, so, you know, as they're starting the dig in this new area, they're sifting for evidence. 
all of a sudden, John McCauley calls over to John Cabrera and is like, Hey, Miss Dorothea wants to ask you a question. So Cabrera goes upstairs to see Dorothea. Dorothea asks him if she's getting arrested. (laughs) And he's like, no. Probably in his mind, he's like, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) She's finally cracking. (laughs) And she's like, well, you know, all of this is making me real nervous. I was wondering if I could go to the hotel around the block or down the street or whatever for some coffee. And Cabrera's like, yeah, I'll even walk you there. So uh, news and media were gathered outside in front of the house. So he wa- he offered to walk with her so she wouldn't be bothered by the media, you know, just to make sure she got to the hotel safely and also that she was going to the hotel. And there is kind of a famous picture of her being escorted from her property by Cabrera uh, that I'll probably post She's wearing this, like, red long coat that's buttoned up over her dress. It must have been drizzling or something. I don't know, because she had a little umbrella. Um, (laughs) And so when the media sees Dorothea being escorted from her property by by Cabrera, they all assumed she was being taken somewhere, like, private or, you know, somewhere else to be questioned about everything that was going on. Um, but in reality, she was going to get coffee or something else. So the investigator watches Dorothea walk up to the hotel. You know, he sees her approach it, and then he runs back to the boarding house to continue his dig. 21 minutes later, while digging, Cabrera hits something. More human remains wrapped in a sheet. (gasps) They were able to tell pretty immediately by the size and the way the sheet was draped and wrapped around the remains that they couldn't be burnt as well oh my god he was a big man and the size of these were remains were smaller and they did end up being female (gasps) oh i thought it was only males no shit Um, So investigators had no information on a missing woman who could have been linked to Dorothea at this point. So they didn't have any immediate ideas of who this female could be. Um, And at this point, the police commander who is on site walks up to Cabrera and is like, hey, where's Dorothea? Yeah, that's why she fucking, oh my god, that's why she wanted to go. Stupid fucking idiot. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, okay. I get it, she's old, she couldn't dare to fly. Why would you let her go? Cabrera's okay, like, say? oh, I just walked her down the street to get a coffee. Yeah, fucking idiot. And the commander replies, she's not there. Oh! <gasps> Of course she's not there. And guess what, folks? That's where we're going to end this one. No! (laughs) Because Red Rum and Red Wine presents their first two-parter, bitches. I hate you. I hate you so (laughs) much. How are you? Okay, so no. So this is going to be a two-parter for y'all. You're going to tell me right after this what's going on. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? Oh my god. Okay. 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 So, um, I hope that was a good place to leave it. Um, sorry to, because 18 of 38, there's still 20 more pages. 
uh, we still got plenty of content. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I okay. Shocked. Um, a nice little cliffhanger, if you will, cement hanger, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a good pun for that. Oh my god, bro! What the fuck has this old lady been up to, and why has it taken so long? Oh my god. Okay. Well, uh, it's just yeah. Cheers. Cheers to cheers to being weary of old ladies because apparently they are fucking creepy as shit mm-hmm. yeah man cheers to fucking they're all around us all around <laughs> you never my know grandma, my grandma is getting a stern talking to yeah. you after this okay cheers mm-hmm. to never trusting any grandma Mm-mm. no one no one ever and yeah i don't the second part is coming out sometime this week yeah so, so it's for sure oh, yeah i was gonna say y'all yeah, don't no. have to wait a whole week Mm-mm. Uh, for part no. two, no, um, you guys are going to get it this week. And so next week we have something different planned for you guys. Yes. As students in the schools, we are giving a little bit of a new try to something. Well, how am I trying to say? <laughs> We're doing a, something a little brand new. So the first of every week, we want to drop a drunk mystery in history, but we want to drop just that episode for the week. So starting the first week of every month or around that time, our first episode of the month will be a drunk mystery in history. And then the following weeks will be our regular upload. So It'll be nice. It'll be fresh. It'll be something a little new. And it also gives us a little bit of time to catch up on our schoolwork so we don't fail outside of this podcast. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Let us know how y'all like this change. Um, drunk mysteries and histories. You know, we might eventually shift to doing Patreon only if we get to that point. Yeah. Um, but we haven't done one in a long time and uh, we got some good ones yeah. in the fucking lineup. So I just, we have needed an excuse to release one and we felt like this was the perfect excuse. Next one is pretty bonkers. I forget what your story was because we made it a while ago, but I remember. I remember mine being pretty crazy. <laughs> Um, not that I've heard it yet, but yeah, we definitely <laughs> wanted to, uh, put out more drunk mysteries and histories on a more regular schedule for you guys. Cause they're fun. They're different than, you know, just a regular episode. So yeah. And there's something a little bit more, uh, lighter, fresher, nicer for the week to, instead of all this deep darkness bullshit we always rant about because of our childhood <laughs> trauma. Yay. But until next time, guys, be sure to follow us on TikTok, Good Pods, Twitter, Instagram, wherever else I am YouTube. Missing. YouTube. At R-A-R-W Podcast. And send us an email if you're lonely. At R-A-R- at nope. Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Oh. <laughs> Red from and red wine podcast at gmail.com. Yes. And okay, see you for part two. Bye.